0: Pope St. John Paul II said that discovering Christ always again and always more fully is the most wonderful adventure of our life. Blazing the Trail is a weekly conversation where we talk about this adventure with courage and hope while sharing stories about what the Holy Spirit is doing in Western Oregon and beyond.
1: Welcome back to Blazing the Trail, where we talk about anything and everything that has to do with the mission Jesus left us. That mission, put very simply, is to follow God with our whole lives and to invite others to join us along the way. I am your host, Miriam Marston, and this week, I'm joined by a friend and fellow parishioner at St. Anthony's Parish in Tigard, Oregon, Rebecca Keller. She studied at the University of Portland and Notre Dame and went on to work in a parish in the area of Christian formation. She and her husband, Charlie, have four beautiful children, and in our conversation, she shares a few of the ways that her home has served as a mission field of evangelization. In fact, for so many people, that is where evangelization starts. Right there, around the dinner table or in the living room or driving to school. It's in those daily conversations and routines where the unfolding of God's plan is revealed bit by bit. But we have to remain open and attentive to it, of course. And that's one thing I really appreciated about Rebecca's story. How much the Catholic faith was simply woven into her daily life, It's just what she did and who she was growing up. That said, as you'll hear, she was left the space to really think about the faith on her own and to ask the important questions and step into those places of encounter, quite literally, as you'll hear about the retreats she attended, which were called Encounter with Christ. This infusion, as she refers to it, of faith in her life, called to mind a quote by the English writer G.K. Chesterton. He once wrote, You say grace before meals, all right, but I say grace before the concert and the opera and grace before the play and the pantomime and grace before I open a book and grace before sketching, painting, swimming, fencing, boxing, walking, playing, dancing, and grace before I dip the pen in the ink. In other words, a Christian's customary disposition is one of gratitude and asking the Lord's help in all that we say or do. So please enjoy my conversation with Rebecca as she shares about how she has experienced God's love through family life, ministry, and friendship. I'm joined today by Rebecca Keller, a fellow parishioner at St. Anthony's in Tigard and mom of four. Rebecca, it is wonderful to have you on the show. How are you today?
0: Doing really well. Thank you. Pleasure to be here.
1: Great. Well, all right, Rebecca, if you could take us down memory lane and share with our listeners how you were first introduced to the Catholic faith and how that faith has deepened, continues to deepen over time and has guided you to where you are today.
0: Yeah, um, so I grew up in southern Oregon in a very small ranching community, uh, and my family was Catholic, so very early on, that was just kind of infused in our daily life. Going to church was just expected, um, and we prayed together, just, just a daily part of our life. Um, mm-hmm. Our parish was pretty vibrant, which was really nice. Uh, I remember a lot of like parish picnics, um, potlucks, Um yeah, just a lot of things going on in the parish. So it felt like a very family-oriented, yeah. very uh, connected place. So I think just that sense of community was my first kind of big introduction, I would say. And through just the witness of my parents, the way that they raised us and just really infused like values of respecting other people at all times um, mm-hmm. in our life. I'd say uh, my faith really got deeper when I went to college. Um, I think one of the Blessings my parents gave me was oh I, and all of us actually um, the Catholic faith is very important to them but they also were willing to give us the foundation and then let us find our faith for ourselves right, so I never right. felt like this strong pressure like you have to be Catholic I know they wanted us to but they wanted it to be our faith and not just theirs and I feel like that was a huge blessing it gave me the freedom to kind of make it my own and really grapple with like tough questions about it and mm-hmm. own it. Um, and I just, I really value that gift that they allowed um, yeah. me to be able to do that. Um, so to the University of Portland. Uh, it's a Holy Cross Catholic school. And I loved my theology classes. I think that's where I was first, like, I just loved learning about it. I loved the scripture classes. I liked yeah. just everything about it. Um, and so I'd say that's when I started to really dive in a little bit more and own it. And. Um, I just had a real hunger to learn more about the faith. And then I would say retreats were a huge part of yeah. me growing a lot deeper. Just they were called encounters there, encounter with Christ. And through those retreats, I definitely felt like I came to really know Christ in a really personal wow. way.
1: Can, can I ask yeah. it? I, I love, I just want to pause here. Just the, the importance of, and the role of a retreat in someone's story. I'm just curious, would you be able to just zero in on what happened during a retreat that kind of ushered in that deeper encounter with Christ?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. They kind of all meld together. So initially I was a retreatant on the retreat and Mm -hmm. I think that was just a really good experience of um, kind of just being overpowered in love, I'd say through like the letters written from parents and family and things yeah. like that. Um, i had never experienced anything like that before. And so just kind of feeling this like, yeah, overwashing of love from both that community, but like my like family beyond, um, through letters and then being, um, asked to help lead a retreat. I think that's when it really kind of clicked even more, um, getting to present like a talk on their retreat as well as, um, watching others go through like that experience and being able to be a participant in that. And I think partly it was just how quickly you can get close to someone over a weekend. Um, just you dive in and you're just, you're all in. And, um, when Christ is that interlocking bottom line, it's just, it's so quick to like, just become like a community so fast. Um, and I think that really was powerful to me. Um, (sighs)
1: No, it's true, right?
0: Uh, oh, oh no, no, no. I was just going to say,
1: you talk about how uh, jumping into kind of those intense conversations with others on the retreat. When I look back on retreats in young adult years is not getting a lot of sleep because we were so caught up in conversations. But
0: anyway. Totally. Yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Late, late nights. Yeah. We got back really exhausted. Um, <laughs> and I think there was a reconciliation was offered, the sacrament of reconciliation mm-hmm. on the retreat. And that was also just really powerful for me um, yeah. to experience it, that sacrament in that setting. I hadn't really had that experience before, and that, that was a very powerful healing um, awesome. experience for me. Um, cool. So I'd say those were definitely kind of how it formed. I've always kind of been Catholic, but owning it through college and those experiences definitely were kind of key moments, I would say.
1: Awesome so what did what did it look like after college then you've gone on these retreats you've what did you study at the University of Portland
0: so I studied theology and social work so I did a double major and I felt very drawn to social work because I really wanted to uh, serve other people I found that doing social work was not quite what I had expected um, particularly in the Portland area I found I kept wanting to pray or bring Christ into the conversation and I was not able to do that yeah. in the, the network that social work is set up here. Um, and so I just felt that to do what I wanted to do, I wanted to study more theology so that I could actually be doing that praying or serving people through my faith because it just was too important to me. And it was just very hard to be in these heart-wrenching situations and not be able to bring faith into it. It felt right. very hopeless, I guess. It was hard not to have that, that hopeful piece that, Springs, um, And so I just knew like social work probably wasn't my calling, but I could do that through um, theology. So I uh, was interested in looking at master degrees. And so I ended up applying for the Masters of Divinity at Notre Dame and got in. So I ended up heading out there. Um, yeah. But before that, I uh, met my husband, Charlie, who was at University of Portland too. And um, I would say he was along with the retreats, probably the the second most crucial part of helping me grow in faith. And, um, particularly finally feeling, understanding, grappling with like the sense of unconditional love. Um, because in college there was some rough moments and I had, uh, some pretty deep scars. And Charlie was that love that really helped heal it. And I, I remember sitting thinking at one point, if he can love me and accept me for who I am this much, how much more does God you know, love and accept us? This is only like a tiny bit of what is so much more. And I think it was the first time I could really like connect the two and be like, oh my gosh, like how much God loves us if this is just human love. And I know it's, has its faults and it's not perfect. Yes. Like, how much is that perfect love? Um, so he was absolutely instrumental in bringing about healing, but also just like this deep sense of love and knowing what it meant to to love someone else and accept that love and yeah. be accepted in that. Um, hmm. Yeah. So then I we got married and I dragged him out to Indiana to do <laughs> Masters of Divinity, and again I would look back and I'd say that was a huge, huge pivotal. Um, moment in my faith journey. We were coming from um, a, a, a family member who had been really dealing with um, the the abuse crisis here in Portland. And so when we left to go to Indiana, I was pretty, it was hard for me to be Catholic. I was really having a lot of anger with the church, um, with the handling, with um, just our own personal family dealings. Yeah. And going there just helped me to again heal but to see um priests like friends who were becoming priests I was like oh my gosh so there is hope in the church and and knowing these amazing guys who we got to go to their ordinations and seeing that made me feel like okay there are amazing people in the church too sure there's there's areas that need help and those that probably shouldn't have come priests but there's amazing ones coming into it and I was realized like that wasn't willing to throw all of it out for the bad apples, but to really like mm-hmm. embrace um, those that I could see coming in and how amazing they were. Um, and in fact, our, some of our closest friends are all Holy Cross priests. Um, wow. So all the God dads to our kids are all Holy Cross priests. And <laughs> I love having them be so connected and be such a part of our life. That's, um, yeah, that's been a huge blessing, I would say. Wow.
1: Wonderful. All right. So you finished your master's of divinity and then did you end up entering into some form of ministry after that, Rebecca?
0: I did. I worked at a parish um, as a director of Christian formation for two years and loved it. I got to um, run RCIA and um, do all the sacramental prep. And yeah. I would say my biggest joy is just, was just walking with people in their faith and bringing that mm-hmm. piece, in, piece in that I really wanted to do with social work, but couldn't. And I just found, yeah, just so much joy in teaching, walking, and accommodating others with the faith. It was, I loved it, and it was an amazing parish. Um, it was also in South Bend. We have stayed in South Bend for a while, um, and it was just very vibrant. And yeah. that's a very Catholic area,
1: it so is. it was
0: <laughs> very, um, it was easy there, <laughs> would say, yep. Like, and this parish particularly was connected to Notre Dame, so there was a lot of um, a lot of people I could tap into like theology professors that i would be like, can you read a Bible study? And um, it was just kind of uh, unreal, I'd say on how easy it was in some yeah. ways, which was really good. I think, um, looking back, I think that really prepared us. Charlie and I always wanted to move back here because yeah. our families were here. We love, still love Notre Dame, still love South and the heart, like part of our hearts are still there, but we also knew just when we wanted to have kids that uh, we would want to be close to family. So Um, Once we had our oldest daughter, we moved back, and um, I think that time also just helped prepare us so much for um, coming back out here and um, being in, again, like, this area is just a very different um, Catholic feel. It's a lot. You really have to own your faith here. It's not as easy, Um, but I think it was so nice to see what the church could be and um, how involved people were and to be to bring that back here and be like we can make the church even better out here um Mm -hmm. so I feel like my degree is much more maybe useful out here not it just felt there were a lot of people who were already um quite qualified at the parish I was at and um kind of now like okay well now we had that experience and we can like really hope to bring that here and share it Uh,
1: (laughs) yeah we needed you back here in mission territory pretty much you and Charlie (laughs) So, you know, for those who are just tuning in, I'm speaking with Rebecca Keller, who is a fellow parishioner of mine at St. Anthony's Parish in Tigard. Rebecca, you are blessed with four beautiful children. Uh, How old are they now?
0: Uh, So our oldest, Bridget, is um, 10, and then Caroline is 8, Samuel is 6, and Madeline is 4. Beautiful. So yeah. as a
1: parent of young children in this, uh, like you said, interesting place that Oregon is, maybe not yeah. uh, you said the easiest place to then hand on the faith because the culture just looks different here than in South Bend. Totally. <laughs> um, how do you find yourself now handing on the faith uh, nowadays, kind of gleaning from the experiences of your own childhood, college, all of that? How does that now translate into how you're sharing the faith with your children and others in the community?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. I think just trying to have it be like it was with my family growing up, just a part of our everyday life. And so finding ways that we can... just tap into the richness of the Catholic faith. One of the things I love doing with our kids is we do a big celebration for their baptismal anniversary. So we light a candle, we say a prayer, we talk about it was to be baptized and they get to pick dinner and dessert. Um, Just to make that like a special big thing um, Mm -hmm. that we can celebrate as a family, you know, like the, uh, the seasons I think help so much. Like Advent is just a great way to like, enter into a little bit deeper prayer as a family. And we love doing the advent race. I feel like that's just a focal point for always just, I don't know, light anytime draws yeah. kids anyway. That's <laughs> like true. Candle, fire.
1: Literally like moths to a flame. Yeah, <laughs>
0: exactly. And I'll use whatever it takes to just get that all in. Um, and I think uh, just having those seasons kind of chunked out, it helps us to refocus because I feel like it's very hard to family prayer. We try, you know, and then we kind of ebb and flow and, yeah advent we can really focus and then Lent. I feel like it's a time to really focus and it's okay when it kind of slacks off a little bit especially in the summertime but just really using the seasons that we have um and trying to really let those kind of give us like the foundation for how we can like, awesome. weave that in if that makes sense um, it does
1: yeah do you find that you're you know, I can, I might be able to anticipate the answer because I know that a lot of kids love Advent and Christmas, but do you find your kids kind of gravitate just in their level of interest, maybe and engagement towards certain seasons, liturgical seasons of the year?
0: Oh, for sure. Yes. And I'd say Advent and Christmas. Yeah. Um, I always push because I keep being like, what's your favorite season? And I'm like, Easter. I just love Easter. Um, yeah. So I think they're starting to say Easter just because I can't say it, but <laughs> um, yeah. I, I think they do love like Easter one, you know, like, sure. because it's far enough away from Christmas, but, um, right. Yes, definitely. Uh, yeah, I would say those two are like the big ones. Um, you know, Lent is a little more solemn, so it's a little harder as a kid, I think, to enter into. And I get that, so I don't try to push it too much, but, mm-hmm. um, there is a value in that kind of sitting in the, like, heart and taking time and really, like, thinking about how can we grow closer, um, yeah. And we try to kind of do that, like as a family, even too. just like, how could we as a family grow closer to her, just, like have those kind of conversations? Um.
1: Yeah. And I'm sure as they get older, uh, more questions come up. I'm certain, you know, even, I don't know how much, you know, I'm actually surprised kind of what kids tune out, but also pick up from totally, the atmosphere right. around them. And it, it reminds me sometimes when a, my niece or nephew will ask a question, I'm like, oh, I, I didn't know you picked up on that. I should be, you know, very That's careful, right. you know, about what we're saying and maybe how we're saying it. Um, you, have, you said your oldest is 10.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: yeah, now And so, um, yeah, are you starting to have kind of those, those like does she just ask questions about um, maybe more about prayer life or the saints or the sacraments? Are those questions starting to bubble up now?
0: Yeah, a little bit, I'd say. the. Um, I think with the pandemic, when there was that shutdown in the spring, yeah. it was super hard for us not to go to church. Oh, yeah. At least Charlie and I, it was very hard not to be going to church every week. And we tried watching Mass online for a yeah. while, and it was really hard with the kids. I, yeah. it, I don't know, for whatever reason, our four did not do well, and we were just really struggling. I felt like it was a battle to be like, please watch church. Um, (laughs) and it was not a spiritual experience. So finally we just kind of were like, you know, this isn't working. Um, so we started to do just our own liturgy of the word. Um, and so we would read the God, I'd have the kids read, we'd each do a reading. Um, Mm -hmm. and then for the homily, I asked them to what they heard. And so each, we'd all just kind of talk and share for the homily. And in that it was really neat, because I think they would ask more questions then. Mm-hmm. I heard a lot more, or wow, I heard this in it. Um, and that was actually, has been really one of the big blessings, I would say, like, of this year, which I know everyone's had a hard year, um, just taking that time where we could actually, yeah, they would, like, when they heard a reading, be like, well, why does it say that? And we could talk more about that. And in fact, one of the time we were doing it was the Gospel, um, Matthew 25, yeah. and you know what you do to the least of these you do to me and we were talking about it and all of a sudden Madeline um our four-year-old was like mom you do all of these things for us you do give us water you give us food and I was like whoa I do um <laughs> it was just like nice uh, like uh to that's, connect like that's oh my good. gosh yes we um do that, and how can we do it for others? But yeah, it was really beautiful. Um, I
1: love I love those adorable epiphanies. <laughs>
0: yes, exactly. these kids connect
1: the dots. You know, uh, Rebecca, I'm wondering that as a family, are there things that you can't wait to get back into in parish life?
0: I think just the consistency of being able to go every week, which is starting, which has been such a blessing. I think we. As a family, just notice a big difference when we're going weekly and receiving the Eucharist. I know for my kids, just seeing other people at Mass that they know is huge. Like, I sure. can't wait for the day we can all just gather again and all their friends will be there and they can, you know, just smile and wave at people um, and just be a little closer. Um, and I just think, like, the gatherings the new year celebration that Vietnamese new year celebration. I think that the church puts on just those kind of gatherings. um, My, I, I I just, those were a huge part of me growing up at our church. And I think there's just something really beautiful about gathering together outside of the Eucharist as well, but around a meal or around food or around Mm -hmm. some kind of celebration, which is just very Catholic and it all is connected. Right. And I just, I am excited for those days of being raised kind of yeah.
1: interact with that. Well, uh, sort of in that same vein, and this will be uh, its kind of the other side of that coin, uh, there's a stuff that you can't wait to jump back into, but are there things from this past year kind of wrestling with the changes with COVID and everything, maybe habits or disciplines or things as a family that you would actually carry forward that have been better and you want to continue?
0: Yeah. And I've actually thought about that a lot. I think just the stripping away of everything yeah. while very painful and was so drastic and quick. And um, it has made our lives just more simple and I miss having activities, but I don't miss the hecticness of it. And I think we will really be more mindful of what things we add back in when we can. Um, yeah. I think we've had a lot of time together as all families have. Done. that's been amazing and also hard and very challenging, but I know we will never get this amount of time together again in this kind of situation. And so I have valued like playing a lot more board games together and playing games together. Um, we're blessed to have a beach house, a family beach house that we share with other families that we could use and just being able to go away and be there all together as a family has been a huge blessing, um, this year of just being simple, um, but away and then just being really focused on each other. Um, so definitely we'll take those things and just, I, I think the simplicity of that you don't, I guess I didn't really, I, I love being around lots of people and that's a really good thing. I'm an extrovert, Mm -hmm. but I also realized like, because of COVID, I've been forced to kind of my, my, my group of friends, my pod have been very much smaller yeah. But I'm really focused on each of those, and it can be a deeper connection than when I was spread so thin going to everywhere, I guess, if that makes sense. So yeah. I think just realizing, like, a deeper, stronger, more personal connection might be better with fewer than just so broad that I'm always scattered and not present to the very ones that I want to be present to. That's
1: it. A- A good point. And I think, honestly, I think those sentiments will resonate with a number of people. Rebecca, I am so grateful for your time today. Thank you for coming on the show. May God continue to bless you and your family. Thank you so much. Take care and God bless. As I was reflecting back on my conversation with Rebecca and thinking about how families can be like little centers of evangelization, I thought of the ways that adults can be evangelized by their own children. Now, I don't have kids, but I spend a lot of time with my nieces and nephews, and one memory with them came to mind after this interview— About a year ago, when things were getting pretty bad with COVID, and there were all these rapid changes and developments that were happening, I was having a discussion with my sister, and one of her daughters, my then six-year-old niece, was listening intently while eating her goldfish. My sister and I probably had some serious expressions on our faces, and the tone of the conversation was pretty solemn, so I wasn't surprised that it got my niece's attention. At one point, we suggested that she go to another room while the grown-ups talked through a few things. Instead, she took her bowl of goldfish and crawled up into my lap as she said, I don't know what you're talking about, but I like listening to you. That really struck a chord because in that moment, I didn't really know what the next few weeks or months were going to look like, and there was a lot of letting go that needed to happen. But my niece reminded me that I could simply crawl into the arms of God, our loving Father, and admit that I didn't understand this part of His plan, but that I still liked listening to Him. My niece showed that she had trust in my sister and in me. It was going to be okay because just hearing our voices reassured her that something was being worked out. So did I trust God with a child's heart? As I cleaned out the goldfish crumbs later that day, I pondered on that lesson, how my thoughts are not God's thoughts, nor my ways His ways, as we hear in Isaiah. But that shouldn't lead to frustration or disappointment. Rather, it's an invitation to remember that God is God and I am not. In Psalm 95, we hear about God who holds the depths of the earth in His hands, who owns the tops of the mountains, and to whom the sea and the dry land belong, He who made them and formed them. It is good news indeed to know that we are in His hands as well. Please know that I am praying for all of you who are listening to this show, and thanks so much for being part of this adventure. Join me next time as we continue to blaze the trail together. Until then, stay well and stay close to Christ. God bless you all.
0: You've been listening to Blazing the Trail, produced through the studios of the Archdiocese of Portland. Join us in our mission to share the good news of Jesus Christ across Western Oregon by visiting archdpdx.org.